Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In this episode, we welcome former director of social media and media relations of the Quad City River Bandits, Kaylee Golden. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. It is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me, as always, are my good friends, Jeremy Machino and Cole Szynski. Gentlemen, how are we? Nick, we are great. It's, uh, it's been a great couple days in the, in the state of Minnesota. It's been a great day here. We had a great, great guest on, and I think our listeners will very much enjoy listening to our first ever female guest. Yeah, no doubt. Before we kick it over to Cole here for a really nice intro, I think she brings uh, a little bit of, of an opposite sex nature to this conversation. And, and we've been dying to get a female guest on, and we felt this would be the most appropriate guest and or uh, most appropriate timing. So Cole, why don't you go ahead and give her a really nice intro? Well, yeah, Kaylee is somebody that I don't think we could have handpicked a, a better guest or a better female guest to be our very first one. Uh, I mean, she totally gets the, the sports industry and how living in a small town goes. Obviously, Nick being our resident small town guy, we roast him a lot for that. But uh, yeah, Kaylee had an awesome message. I'm super stoked that we got to have her on. And, uh, you know, I think you guys would agree that we could have talked to Kaylee for another couple hours. Absolutely. And uh, we just kept the tape rolling. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked to her for a good hour off the tape, like before and after. So it's like, we usually like get done recording, I would say like, like, 8 30 9 o'clock on a on a tuesday night for a thursday episode it's 10 30 and we just got off the call with kaylee that we started at seven o'clock so we could have definitely had one of the longest interviews that we ever had and still had plenty of content for you guys no doubt yeah she she's great you can tell that in her job uh she has to have a lot of face-to-face interaction because she's a very good speaker and uh i think she also provides a little bit of inspiration. Uh, two females and and used our our platform uh, here in, in podcast form to do so and it's uh, it's just really exciting so uh, quick though before we uh, take off here uh, gentlemen but more so ladies go ahead and turn on State Street when you're busting out that home workout on State Street and here we go all right Kaylee Golden how are you I'm doing good how are you guys we are very, very good. We are very, very thankful that you decided to come on with us tonight. We're honored, in fact, that you, of all people, would, would be one of, you're, you're one of my, like, one of the guests that I was super, super excited to get on here, but you're also our, our first female guest, which is a huge, huge deal to us. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I'm honored that you guys would think of me, and I'm excited to do it. This is my first time on a podcast, so it's a new experience for all of us, I guess. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've done stuff in front of a camera but never behind a microphone i guess hey well welcome to the podcast life this is what it's like it's not glamorous by any means <laughs> but so um we we got a bunch of talking points that, that we're going to cover with you kaylee but first off let's tell everybody listening how you and i got to know each other it's a great great story and then we can jump back to to where you grew up and, and a little bit of your childhood and then work from there yeah, so um, obviously everyone kind of knows by now Cole played baseball and ended up playing in college and such, but 
when I was in high school, I think I was a sophomore or a junior. I don't remember. Um, I worked a, how old would you have been? I was like 14 or 15. You were like 15. Yeah. And I, um, was working as just a favor to a family friend, a local baseball tournament in my hometown area called the Central Regions uh, Tournament. And it brought in teams from the Midwest, uh, Illinois, Iowa. We had a local team, et cetera. And Cole happened to be on the Iowa team. And I got assigned um, different team moms to kind of help them to tell them, you know, where the laundromat is, um, what the best restaurants are in the area, et cetera. Just kind of like helping with hospitality and things like that. And, um, we, we just got to know some of the guys and stuff. And the one day, uh, a, a kid runs up to me and he's panicked, like, like Oscar worthy panicked. And he goes, Oh my God, like coach doesn't let us bring our phone to the ballpark. Like, I think we left our teammate at the hotel. Can I use yours to call him? And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's my job. Like totally fine. So I unlocked my phone and I gave it to him and he dialed the number and then his own phone rings in his pocket. Oh, and he called his own phone <laughs> from my phone to get my number. And to this day, it is still one of the smoothest pickup lines I have ever had done to me, like top notch. And I literally, he literally handed me my phone back and said, okay, I'll text you later. And then walked away. And I was like, that was really, really ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was the most creative thing that I've ever, ever had done to me. Um, so I was like 16 and Cole was like 15. And then just since then, we would text here and there and just, you know, catch up on each other's lives. And, um, you know, sometimes we'd stay in contact for a few months. And we wouldn't talk again for like a year. And then we'd just text again for a little while. So it's been a friendship that's been, you know, how old am I? Eight years going oh. right now. So it, it was... Um, it was a very interesting way to meet at 15 and 16 years old and him lying to me, but it was uh, definitely a story that I love to tell when people ask how we know each other. <laughs> it's uh, to your, to your last point. It is funny how paths cross like that because yeah, I mean, who would have thought, I mean, a year or two later, like we're, we're crossing paths. I'm, I'm hitting you up to get advice about, you know, different things and what I should do with my life to be completely honest. But the story, yes, I will never forget. It was like, I, I can't even remember how we picked you out of the crowd because I mean, there was what, like, I mean, there was a handful of people working that tournament, right? Yeah, it was like me and all my best friends. Right. And I think Nick's, Nick's nobody can see this, but Nick's dying laughing. <laughs> um, but I think it was, it was complete, completely random. And I think I had seen you walking by with someone else. This is a chance to get some sort of like brownie points in the well, friendship. Like it the was obvious from the well, start. The, <laughs> the complete honest truth is there was like two cute girls. It was you and one <laughs> other girl. And I don't think that girl was working or maybe she was working like a different site or something. And so I was like, who basically it was, there was like a group of three of us and it was like, who's going to do it. And I was like, I'll do it. I was feeling super, like you said, ballsy at the time. And I, I was freaking out for probably a good 15 minutes of how to even approach you. And it was like, I'm going to lie to her and say that, yeah, my phone's dead and we left somebody at the ballpark. I, and, I, and you remember that part a lot better than I, but it was literally, I walked up and 
I think I was like shaking when I handed you the phone because I was so nervous. I was like, this girl may like slap me across the face or it's or something really bad. I never thought in a million years like you were going to be a lifelong friend of mine. Complete honesty. I was like, this is going to be this is going to blow up in my face and I'm going to get laughed at by my teammates for like the end of time. Well, I can't say that, you know, anytime a guy asked me for for my number, I think this is a lifelong friendship. So like, I feel like this is slightly out of the norm, but it's interesting that the fact that you were hitting on me and got my phone number has now turned into, you know, we talk all the time and we talk about careers and go to each other for a bunch of different stuff. So it's, it's one of my favorite stories about, you know, meeting a friend. Go ahead, Nick. Well, Cole, dude, I've known you for a while and I've just never known you had such a craft. What, what a guy. <laughs> well, see, that's the, that's the other part is for those who don't know, I have like zero game, that's zero good. game. Got on the street. And for me to do that is probably one of like the best moments as far as any sort of like pickup lines or making a move on a girl like that is pro- like number one or number two all time with ease like that is it was a one hit it was one hit it, wonder I, one hit wonder that's that's exactly <laughs> what it was i cannot recreate it i never will be able to no well you say that guy but at the same time i mean that was that was a great move that was that was really well done i mean i think it's funny that you had a little anxiety going in and for her to think that from her perspective to think, okay, I'm just helping this kid out, but that you totally had the whole plan. Oh, that's, that's great to know. Good for you, man. Hey, good for me. Yeah. This, this, this pretty girl is now a, a really, a really good friend of mine. And it's been a beautiful relationship ever since we work in the same industry. So I have someone I can look up to and, and, you know, Frank, I mean, frankly, like, I mean, we'll, and we'll get to this, but she was the reason that, that I wanted to work in baseball. So. Um, kudos to me, I guess, but kudos to Kaylee for taking it so well. I just, I tell that story all the time. People ask, you know, what's the best pickup line you've gotten? And honestly, I literally have to say I was 16 when a boy that's now one of my, you know, good friends tricked me into giving him my phone number, basically. A friendship based on, based on lies. You would have thought that I would have learned and and like used it again but i've never used it ever since it's a great one and i i don't think i could ever do that because i think i have to keep that special like that move i can't i can't just go throwing that around now i'm so honored so any any female who listens to this don't worry i'm not going to use that on you so you're (laughs) safe you know that's gonna that's gonna stay between me and kaylee so oh my god i'm feel so special (laughs) um okay so Anything else on that story from, from Jeremy or Nick? I feel like that has just been a hot button. Uh, I can't believe you actually did it, to be honest. Knowing you for three years now, that's not the Cole Szynski I remember. Yeah, Kaylee definitely just broke news to, uh, to Nick and Jeremy there. This is, this is, yeah, that's some good fuel for later. <laughs> that's awesome, though. Um, well, Kaylee... I am very excited to uh, to do this here, um, this episode, and we share a little bit of a similarity. And prior to us getting into the good meat of of you guys and and baseball, share just a little bit on where you're from and uh, some of the pros and cons of growing up in small town Illinois. <laughs> yeah, so um, I grew up in literally the middle of nowhere, Illinois, um, a little town called Hollowayville. Um, 
it's a mouthful, but you learn. And uh, town sign says 100 people, but I could probably count and there'd be 50 max. <laughs> more cows than people, I like to say, and a lot more corn than people. <laughs> but um, I grew up there uh, basically like an only child because my siblings are a lot older than me and they had all moved out and gone to college and such by the time that I was like eight years old. Um, so I grew up there and, you know, it was great in that you can, you know, not lock your car doors and not lock your house. No one please rob my parents. But um, it was great <laughs> that, you know, you don't have to have any of that scary kind of feeling that you have in other towns. And, you know, we played outside until the street lights came on, like all those little things. And I grew up, you know, going fishing with my dad and uh, taught me how to shoot a bow and all those kinds of things that you learn when you're growing up in the middle of nowhere. And um, that transferred on to, you know, I went to a smaller high school, you know, 80 people in my graduating class. Um, and, you know, you knew everyone, everyone knew you, which could be a really good thing because, you know, it, it means that you have a connection with everyone, but it's also a really bad thing because everyone knows <laughs> every little thing about your life. And anyone who sees you in town knows your parents. And if you're doing anything that they think is out of line, your parents are going to find out. And if it's not your parents, it's going to be your grandparents or your aunt and uncle or something ridiculous. But um, the, the small town life I've learned to appreciate, um, especially since I left, uh, it definitely is something that for a long time I thought like I, you know, that and still I feel kind of this way, but, you know, I don't want to settle in, you know, my 50 person town forever, but there's something nice about going back and, you know, getting to see the people that I've grown up with, people I've been friends with since kindergarten um, and just kind of getting to slow down in a way that you don't get when you live in anywhere, but kind of a small farming community. Uh, and it's, it's been really eye-opening to leave, but I'm also really excited to go back um, because, you know, I get to bring a lot of knowledge and stuff back home and, you know, kind of have a chance to get reacquainted with a lot of people that I grew up with who might have changed since, you know, we were 18 years old. So I I have a question that's, that's maybe going to tie things back to, to us meeting. So how far away is Oglesby from Hollowayville? Because I remember that's where like the central region tournament was. Yeah. So the central regions tournament was in uh, Peru and Oglesby. And that day happened to be in Oglesby. Mm. Um, Oglesby is like 20 minutes from my hometown. And that's actually where my mom was born and raised. Okay. So um, it's, I would go there all the time. It's where my mom's parents lived. Uh, so it's only about 20 minutes. So we were right down the road. And in the country, 20 minutes is like a skip and a hop. It's not like it's far away. Right. Yeah, that is a, that's a no problem drive. Just to, the only reason I asked is I thought of this right when we, right when we jumped to, to talking about small town. You are still in my phone, Snapchat wise, as Oglesby girl. That's what it is. I haven't switched it. And maybe I need to switch it to Hollowayville girl or something. But you can maybe put what, my name. Yeah, yeah I could put your start. name. And you would think that's what I would do, but clearly I'm not smart enough to do that either. That's uh, awesome. No. <laughs> but so I want to I want to hit on this because this is you know another another thing that you had mentioned to me that that you wanted to get to, and I think it's interesting coming from a small town. You said it yourself, Kaylee. There's not a whole lot of people that there, there's not a whole lot of people in a small town that maybe give you the opportunity, especially like look to or aspire to be, because let's be, let's be honest. And you even said it before we come, you, we came on air, you know, 
the outside world is a little bit of a foreign concept to those in a small, small town. You know, we give we give Nick a lot of crap about living in Manchester and and you're from you're from a town a little bit smaller. Um, it's funny because you actually went to high school with one of our teammates who we've talked about on this show. And we can we can jump to that. But I want to ask this. So with there being small, you know, small numbers of people, small graduating class, talk about a little or talk a little bit about growing up and maybe using brothers and sisters, family as role models and maybe even um, trying to equate the expectations of. Uh, them and your parents to yourself? Yeah. So like I said earlier, my siblings are um, 10, 12, and 14 years older than me. Uh, so I was a little bit of a surprise, but um, my a parents swear one. that, yeah, my parents swear it's a great one and they hate when I say it. But um, <laughs> so I uh, grew up, basically, my siblings were all out of the house by the time I was eight, and they all went to University of Illinois in Champaign. Um, and so, you know, when I was growing up, it was like a line, I, everything, a line, I, this line, I, that. And when I got to, you know, being a junior and senior in high school, I was like, well, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, what am I going to do? All I knew was that I wanted to get out of my hometown area. I just wanted to get away. Um, and you know, I applied to Illinois and I got in, I applied to a lot of big schools and, you know, my application to Amherst just felt different because one of the questions for like an essay was, um, you know, what is unique about your application to St. Ambrose? And I basically just wrote, you know, all three of my siblings went to University of Illinois, like they all graduated from there. You know, it's become like a tradition in the family. And this is me kind of breaking that mold. Um, you know, even more than I already had in my high school days. I mean, I played more. I played a lot of sports. Um, they were mostly one or two sports athlete, athletes. I played three sports. I was a cheerleader, um, did all that stuff. So um, it was it was interesting to kind of, you know, have that first moment of, okay, I, I can be different. Whereas, you know, my siblings were such good role models and, you know, they stayed out of trouble and they worked really hard and they're just good, good people. And, you know, I didn't take a similar road to them. Like it was different in that aspect but when you're smart in a small town everyone expects you to grow up and be a doctor or a lawyer or you know something great like that and it was a lot of pressure because I mean not to toot my own horn but like I was I was very smart um and there was that pressure where you need to be something that equates to your level of you know intelligence and that was an unfair expectation um in the terms of, you know, yeah, maybe, but what if that's not what I want to do? I want to enjoy what I want to do. And that's, you know, where I ended up um, going into college, wanting to be an occupational therapist. And then obviously things changed down the road. But um, that expectation of, you know, small town, if you're smart, you you become a lawyer or a doctor and then you come home and you bring those skills with you and you, you know, raise some children in good old middle of nowhere. And, you know, <laughs> cycle continues. But um I kind of always felt a pride in, you know, wanting to break that in a way and looking to do something that might not be as monetarily successful, but was, you know, just that much more exciting and rewarding to me more than money at the end of the day. 
Well, Kaylee, that's awesome because we actually, in our last episode, we're just talking about like overcoming fear and the ability to overcome the opinion of others and, and not necessarily for a, a good or bad reason, but it's interesting that you go right there and talk about how there were some expectations, you know, right away and uh, you wanting to break away, but almost having a little bit of a rebellious feel to that, which is, which is kind of fun. Uh, talk about if there is anything Uh, I don't know if you maybe had a conversation with your older siblings or your parents, but like, what did you go through to be able to have the confidence to go to Ambrose instead of having to follow through suit to Champagne? I mean, at the end of the day, to be honest, like my parents are so, so supportive and like all my siblings are too. Like they would have let me do whatever I wanted. But at the end of the day, to be, to be honest, I got a better scholarship from Ambrose. And hey, I also, <laughs> and I also just, you know, the huge university life I didn't think was for me. Like Ambrose is small. It's probably similar to upper Iowa, I would say ish, maybe a little bit smaller, but, um, it was in a relatively larger town. Um, and it was kind of a stepping stone for me. And honestly, if they wanted to give me more money that I didn't have to pay for college, <laughs> then, I was fine with it. So uh, that kind of, it wasn't really like a momentous decision by any means, but it, it did feel different and it, it did kind of already set me apart from, you know, my siblings path in that aspect. Well, you kind of, you teed, you teed me up there, Kaylee, because I was just going to ask you, that was going to be my next question. You know, you compared St. Ambrose to upper Iowa. And I think that's totally fair because it's a smaller private college. And frankly, in the state of Iowa, we have a lot of those. Oh yeah, and, there's a ton. I, mean, it, I and I don't quite know sports-wise what Ambrose is if they're like NAIA or D2, D3, NAIA. Mhm. Okay. Um but, you know, I know the three of us, Nick, Jeremy and I all have our reasons that we went to Upper Iowa. I mean, obviously the three of us went because of baseball, but for me it was I had never lived in a small town and I loved how beautiful the area was and when I did get to know the people, there were a lot of really great people, obviously, that I still talk to with these guys and, and a few other people. And so that was my why of why am I going to go to a small, like 1500 people town instead of be done with baseball or try to walk on or, or you know, go maybe a more traditional route, if that's what you want to say. But do you have a obviously obviously financials was huge for you. And that's obviously super, super important. It was for me. And I know for these two, it was as well. We've all talked about that at length, but was there another, another draw was, I mean, was the area great? Did you know people going there? Was there another, was there anything else that, that drew you to Ambrose other than like, you got this awesome scholarship and it's a great opportunity to do what you thought you wanted to do. I mean, yeah, what, what drew me there was they are very well known for how good they are in the medical field, um, for teaching, uh, occupational therapy. They have a fantastic school, uh, and then I really didn't know anyone there aside from one girl I'd gone to high school with who was a couple years older than me. Um, and that was about it. It just was kind of, you know, taking a risk. And I mean, I love the Quad Cities to death, but um, Davenport is not always the nicest city. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we always joke, you know, you don't cross Locust Street, which is the street that Ambrose is on the good side. And then if you cross it, we say, don't don't go to that side of Locust Street <laughs> until about seven ten blocks later but um it it's a great area and i've learned i love it but um it it basically was you know a new opportunity and a chance to be a little bit different and rebel because god i never rebelled once when i was growing up i was such a goody two-shoes it was like the most lame form of rebellion 
to possibly do. But um, that was basically it. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's awesome. You wanted to be a little different and you wanted to, to, you wanted to be a trailblazer essentially is what it boils down to. And I mean, I think if nothing else, that's like one of the most admirable qualities that people can have is wanting to be the first you not be the next someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what you do. And I think you do a very, very good job of it, obviously, you know, concerning all the success, success you have had up to this point. Um, but so let's talk about that. You wanted, you thought you wanted to do occupational therapy and there were some changes along the way. Was that, when, when did those occur and why did those occur? Because I want to know if it was a, a mindset thing, like a mindset shift. Was it due to maybe you changing, what do I want to work in when I get out of school? What was the determining factor between all those changes? Yeah. Um. I think that the first thing I tell people when they talk to me now about college is you don't really know what opportunities are out there until you leave where you're from, because the only opportunities you know are the ones that you see around you. Um, unless, you know, you're doing super, super research when you're 18. But I mean, I, I don't think most 18 year olds are doing that. So, um, you know, I'd never really heard of occupational therapy. It was suggested um, to me by one of my my sister-in-law, actually. Um, and I just kind of ran with it. I thought I'd be good at it. And it's such an amazing, amazing, unique field, um, doing great things in the medical community. And uh, I, I went through my first semester in it. And towards the end, we were talking with some of the older students already in the OT program. And they said something along the lines of like, oh, you'll be lucky if you get in. And like, it was one of those moments where like, like a light bulb kind of shattered. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is scary. Do I want to really, you know, do that? And so I went through the next semester of my freshman year and then I was still, you know, freaking out. And so at the, like, I'm forgetting all the timings now. I think it was the end of my freshman year, I changed my major to a uh, pre-law and um was going to be a lawyer <laughs> and so the next year i happened to take a class with this one adjunct professor don't even remember his name now but it was like a late tuesday night class tuesday and thursday nights and it was horrible and he was just like the most boring dry human being i've ever met in my life and like i looked at him one day as i was sitting in his classroom and i was like i cannot be you i can't grow up i cannot be you and so, you know, I loved writing. I was really good at the political science stuff. Um, it was interest me. Like, I loved that kind of thing. But I was like, I can't, I can't do, I can't do this. And so <laughs> I uh, had taken one class. Uh, it was a co-taught class with a professor in the communications department. And so I went to him and um, God bless him. I love Jim Bauman. He, Dr. Jim Bauman, he, uh, I talked to him and I said, I think I want to switch. And he was like, okay, okay. And he was like, I think you'd be great at it. So I switched my major to strategic communication in my sophomore year. And um, I started writing for the school newspaper. And I continued, uh, kept a minor in political science, and then also picked up a minor in uh, multimedia journalism. So I uh, kind of had, oh, and also another in um, radio TV production. So three minors and a major in um kind of just ran with it from there loved what I did and the internship that I got with the river bandits was really kind of the turning point um to make me realize like I 
love sports. I never realized that I could work in sports, not as an athlete, you know what I mean? Um, and it kind of fell in my lap <laughs> as strangely enough with an ex-boyfriend. Um, he worked with the team. He would be the mascot sometimes actually. <laughs> and he told me that they had an opening for this community relations internship. And on a whim, I applied and went in for an interview. And then like within a few days, they called me and they're like, we'd love to have you join. So um, worked that season, won a, a championship ring that year. And then um, my tw- in 2018, towards the end of college, I was freaking out because I didn't have a job and I was just super stressed about it. And two weeks before I graduated, our GM um, brought his dog, Andrew Chesser, my, my favorite human being, um, brought his dog, Romy. And he was like, Hey, I just need to drop something off. Can you come out? And he was outside and he handed me a folder and he said, here you go. And I opened it and it was a job offer for the position that I had internship, um, for leading up to there. So, uh, it was unexpected. It was two weeks before I graduated. I had two weeks to figure out a place to live and kind of start mid season, which is really difficult in terms of minor league baseball, because so much planning goes into a season leading up to the season. And it was May. So, you know, games had already been played, stuff was already set. I kind of had to learn without being able to give any sort of opinion or anything, which, you know, I was fine with because I was working, you know, my dream job. So that's kind of how I ended up in this industry. But it was, you know, kind of a curvy road to get there and a lot of, you know, chance encounters and chance situations that happen along the way. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. I love the fact that you tried to do so many things in college. Cause like when we go, when we go to college, right. It's like, okay, what do you have figured out for us, son? You know, you're at the, you know, your grad party and you're like, oh, I'm going to tackle the world. And then you go there and it's like, holy cow, this is what this is all about. Like, I don't know about this. And then you get exposed to some other cool stuff. So it's glad to know that you at least had gone out and tried different things. And uh, unfortunately, law, we figured out right away that was maybe not where our path led. <laughs> but that's that's the whole point, though. And, and I, I wish that more people understood that that trial and error process happened through college. And it's cool that, that you found internships because I wish those were pressed a little bit more. Did you do any other internships or was that the only one that you did? Uh, so, yeah, I actually had two other internships in college. I was a government affairs intern with the Quad Cities um, Chamber of Commerce for um like four or five months and then I was a it wasn't really an internship as much it kind of was a part-time position I guess but it was a part-time uh highlight zone reporter for one of the local news stations uh here in the Quad City so Channel 6 um we would go to high school football games basketball games um etc and we would do like fun little skits with the fan section and I would help out the camera guy to write down the highlights and you know what time on his recording that that highlight was there. And then we'd go back to the news station and he'd cut it all together or she would cut it all together. And then we'd put it out and we'd all sit there and, and watch it come out on, you know, the 10 o'clock news that night on Fridays for the highlight zone during football. So it was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot about, you know, that side of things. And, um, even I made some connections that I still talk to this day and it's, it was a cool experience. Yeah, because I I see you light up, you know, obviously they can't see us, but I see you light up when you talk about that. And it's cool that such a a unique industry got your attention. You know what I mean? Like you Mm -hmm. probably going to to college, you weren't like, you know, I I bet that would be the thing that would totally soak up my time. And 
it's great that you made some of the, uh, some of those connections as well too. But uh, no, I just I always like to point that out to any listeners that we would have that are going into college or in college or or what have you. But that time period, man, it's just about trial and error and meeting a bunch of people. So I'm really glad that you were able to experience that. And um, I think also. Uh, we are going to move into more of like finding, was it finding the job? Cole, go ahead. So I wanted to touch on this. Uh, well, I, I guess to to finish up Kaylee's point, I got to meet Chesser, you know, the one that, that ultimately gave her the job. And as she said, like her favorite human, like he is one of the <laughs> best humans that you could ever meet. I mean, this guy had no idea who I was and he just like let me crash on his couch on a whim completely <laughs> without any introduction. And so Hopefully Chesser gets a chance to listen to this because he's awesome too. And he's also <laughs> oh, someone. Oh, he will. He will. That's awesome. Like he and he's someone I want to have on here too. I think he would be amazing. I think he would be able to give a lot of insight into what went into that decision. And obviously he's had an incredible journey himself. So oh yeah. He has, he has a heck of a story to tell. Um, but to you, you know, obviously changing majors, coming from a, a small town, being a little rebellious and not doing a family tradition of going to Champagne, going to a smaller private school. I mean, you were you're you are really smart. You were a great athlete in high school. You went on to college and you got involved in it sounds like everything. And obviously you came into the sports industry, baseball specifically, and like I mean, you made your mark, right? It doesn't come though without a journey, obviously, that you never expect. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have talked at length about how you can look back on different opening days or different moments within a season and just look back and laugh. But, you know, there were tears, there were why, <laughs> there were, there were questions. And so, you know, one thing you, you had talked about is mental health. And I want to talk about being mentally strong, maybe coming from a small town to a new place, breaking a, a, a quote unquote family tradition. Uh, getting involved, having the the confidence and like the mental strength to get involved and understand failure, especially when you're changing majors and maybe questioning what you're doing, and then getting into working with the River Bandits and and you can even touch on a little bit of you know how strong you have to be into working a sport like baseball even. Yeah, especially as a as a girl. Um, Without a doubt. So honestly, like. I talk about mental health all the time. It's something that I've never shied away from since I've kind of gone on this journey. Um, I, my junior year of college, it was around when I switched majors, I was taking one of the hardest political science classes um, at the university. And we had to write like, it was the longest paper and it just required so much effort and so much of my brain power. And I was just stressed out from, you know, personal life things and then just a few other things as well. And I realized that I, I I mean, I didn't realize until far later than I, I wish I would have, but you know, I'd always been kind of an anxious person. Um, and, and then I realized, you know, I was really struggling, like really, really struggling. I wouldn't leave my room. Um, I, my friends wouldn't see me for, I lived with them and they wouldn't see me. I'd come home. I'd go right to my room. Sometimes I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't leave until the next morning I went to class. Um, and that's kind of like where my road, like where I realized, you know, I have anxiety, I have depression and coming from a small town, those are things that you don't usually talk about because you swallow that and you tough it out and you get through it. Um, so kind of making that realization, um, and accepting that was the hardest part about it was kind of having to realize, you know, there is something wrong with me, but 
at the end of the day, it's not something that I can't fix. It's not something that, you know, is a flaw. It's just something I have to learn to live with. And, um, thankfully I was blessed with one of my best friends. She, um, is the greatest person. She lost her father, um, due to mental health issues and, she is just the strongest human being I've ever met. So she had an insight that I had never had and just guided me through all of that, um, through college. And Sarah, if you're listening, you're a hero. She's one of the best people I've ever met. Um, but it was something that you, you struggle with every day. And, you know, growing up, I was in some relationships that weren't healthy and, um, went through some unhealthy, you know, mindsets, um, in terms of, you know, eating and exercising and stuff, you know, being a, a girl is hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, it just was kind of accepting that and realizing that there's nothing wrong with getting help and there's nothing wrong with doing what you have to do to feel okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I got on medication and I just been on a journey since then. And I'd be lying if I said it's been easy and I've always been a hundred percent because it's a roller coaster. I mean, you're never a hundred percent there. Um, but it's a journey that you have to make because it's worth it. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that it gives me pride to look back and see how far I've come, even on the days where I feel like I've made no progress. I can totally understand that very last point you made because there are days, especially right now, you know, and, and I'm sure especially everyone who works in the sports industry would relate. It's like, what am I not doing? What am I not doing enough of? What did I do to deserve this? What did I do to be deemed non-essential by <laughs> the government or like what or whoever makes those decisions? Um, but you know, to to get on a, a a real level with you, Kaylee, that is exactly why you I think were the perfect guest for the the perfect first female guest because you know us three guys. I mean, we come from different backgrounds, but we have no idea what it's like to be a girl. You know, we have no idea <laughs> what it's like to to. I mean. I, I have no idea what it's like to grow up in a small town. I mean, Nick Nick is from a somewhat small town and Jeremy's from, you know, a town relatively similar to mine. And so we have no idea what these things are like. And that I think, you know, is something that I really appreciate is because I understand everybody has their struggle. I've had mine and I've, I've gone through a lot of, of crap and both of these guys have. And, you know, we've talked about it at length, whether it's on here or just, you know, in person, one-on-one. And that is something I commend you with because you have taken it in stride and you have made it your own path, which I think is something that people should admire. And that's one thing I admire, especially when I was looking to, to get into what I wanted to do with my life and where I wanted professions to go. So I think, I think that's one of the coolest things about you, to be completely honest. Um, I, I kind of want you to talk about being a woman in, in a male-dominated profession because I think that's something we are definitely overlooking because that is extremely hard to do. I, I can't imagine myself walking into a place where I'm not, there's not many other males because it's just in sports, it's everyone's a man basically. So can you, can you talk about that and, you know, the struggles and what you've overcame yeah. and, you know, just everything about that. Yeah. And so kind of, you know, going off of what I said earlier, um, when I started that internship with the River Bandit, that's when I kind of realized, like, if I love what I do, then my mental health got better. Like, I loved what I did. I enjoyed every second of it. And that's when I knew that I'd made a good decision. I knew what I wanted to do. 
Um, obviously knowing that there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with working in baseball, male or female. I mean, I know Cole heard this exact spiel from me when he called me, um, to ask me for my opinion on, you know, working in sports. And I told him, you know, it is 12, 14 hour days. Sometimes you get there at 9am and you don't over that night and, you know, you're always hundred percent. You always have to be on customer service face on, you have to be ready for any given thing at any given moment. Um, you know, rain wind you know someone getting injured anything um so it it is a challenging industry in that aspect and it's also challenging and just you know there's like i said you have to be on 100 percent of the time there's there's no time to to kind of be real when you're in front of the general public basically all day every day Um, and especially coming from my background I ran our social media and I did all of our community appearances and events and stuff so um, typically when people were seeing us out in the community they were seeing me and when they were on our social media they were hearing me Um, so it was a lot of pressure to kind of keep the same kind of personality and voice no matter how I was feeling Um, and it it is an industry that throws a lot of curveballs at you. I mean, um, no pun intended. I mean, it's it's scary. I was very intimidated going into it. Um, being, you know, a twenty. How old had I been? I've been twenty one when I was an intern. Um, and you know, these guys are my age. These players are my age, and it's hard to demand respect from people who are your age, um, even though you're in a position that they should respect. And, you know, I've had majority, very, very great experiences with all of these players. Um, I have some that, you know, I still hear from every now and then just to check in and, you know, some that are, you know, friends and good people that I'm cheering for through and through, um, to make it to the majors. And then, you know, you get those people from other teams, particularly who can be a little, creepy I guess I would put it um and it it is something that you have to deal with in terms of you know I'm out on the field I'm out you know helping with in between inning games and I was out you know taking pictures and I was always in view I was out for batting practice and it was you know you you hear them talking you hear them saying stuff and I'm not trying to say like I'm an end-all be-all you know model or anything but like it's it's um you hear what they say and it can get, it can get hard because a lot of times um, they'll say it in Spanish or whatever language they may speak. And then the bilingual guys will translate it. And you're like, why, why does that need to be said about me? Like I'm doing my job. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Like it's, it's not something I want to have to worry about when I have 8 million other things to worry about um, on my mind. So it, it can be challenging. And I know that, just within the ballpark, it can be challenging, not just from players, but from fans. I mean, I get mansplained so many things about baseball (laughs) and about, you know, everything going on in the world. And it's just something where if you're a young female, especially, they see this opportunity to where they think that they can overpower you in some way. Um, And so it, there's times where, you know, I'm, I've had giveaways thrown back in my face because I, they didn't want that color t-shirt or times where, you know, someone has grabbed me by the back of the shirt to get my attention or, you know, fans have hit on me in the creepiest ways. And it's just, 
you just kind of take it with stride you just kind of got to brush it off and you smile and you say well how can I help you sir and they say something creepy it's just oh sorry like I do you have anything I can help you with at the ballpark um and it's it's tough it's it's really tough and there's times where it definitely got to me but there's also other times where I was like I can't wait to tell the story after the game's <laughs> over because this guy just in a thick Southern accent just told me that I was as cute as a brown speckled beagle puppy. <laughs> and, and then he pulled up a picture of one on his phone to show me that I was cuter than this puppy. And I was like, how do you explain this to people? Like, it's one of those things where you, you got to find the humor in it. And it is frustrating because obviously sexual harassment and those kind of things are huge issues in the world. And um, it's something that I don't want to laugh off because women, I feel like should be more respected in the sports industry and those terms of things. I see so many women on my Twitter feed, especially talking about the ways that they're mansplained baseball and talked down to and objectified in the sports industry. And um, it can be really, really frustrating and you've got to have thicker skin than I think most males do to be in this industry because a male walks into a room at a sports facility and he's automatically expected. He's automatically deemed as having the knowledge to be respected. Whereas if I walk in the room, I have to prove myself. And that's a lot of pressure because why do I have to go through all that extra work? Why can't I be on the same playing field, pun intended, as everyone else? I think uh, uh, Kaylee brings up some really good points in that last statement about Twitter and, and being mansplained. And, and I see it too in, in the baseball community, just on Twitter, I, I peruse Twitter and I'm, I see these women that work in sports show the screenshots from uh, various social media sites. And it's like, what do you know about baseball? Uh, who won the world series? Like, come on guys. Like really? Uh, we, we actually got, uh, talked about baseball a little bit off air with Kaylee and I, I guarantee you, she knows probably more about baseball than, <laughs> than most men do about baseball. So do not come at anyone. I mean, that play that works in sports because we definitely man or woman know probably more, more about sports than you do. Thank you for not only having the strength to go through that. I think that, uh, you know, we speak a little bit on, you know, having a good sense of faith in our, in our lives and in this podcast. But, uh, first off, thank you for doing that. I think that will make you futuristically the woman that you will, uh, you know, get to in life, but then also for raising awareness for the listeners too, like, Hey, like, let's not take that lightly. Like this is a serious deal. We really need to get a rain check. And I'm a guy speaking to other guys like, Hey, knock it the F off because it's not cool. Like imagine that as your daughter, your cousin, your sibling, someone who you care about, like there's always perspective, right? And unfortunately there are people always in the world that are out to hurt us and, and we can't understand why they do that. But thank you for the strength to not only, you know, with mental health as well too, we wanted to make sure we raise that up and it's cool that you're able to come to grips with it. I think that's another strength point, but uh, I just had two questions for you on these topics just before we, we move mm -hmm. forward or if we get to the next thing. Um, if there's a female listening to this that may pursue a sports career and or working through uh, some mental health stuff, what are just some some tips maybe or, or some encouragement that you could provide them? Yeah, so I think that one of the things that's been best for me, and it was especially hard, you know, if I'm working the social media side of things with my organization is just kind of you spend all day, every day at that ballpark um, or arena or whatever and you know give yourself a break you know 
take your vacation days, take those times off. And if you have to, like, if there's a day where, you know, you just, you just need some rest and most, most teams are very good about, you know, giving you some extra time off after a long homestand or whatever, but, you know, take the time that you need to recharge because a huge part of it is just the mental exhaustion that you go through. And it's just, you know, um, multiplied by some of these aggressions from people at the ballpark, especially as a female. So, you know, take that time that you need. And then I also found a lot of support um, from my co- female coworkers and from other females around the industry. And MILB is honestly one of the most amazing industries I've been, only one I've been a part of, but um, it's, <laughs> you know, the most amazing, most supportive community. And there are so many women in this community, not enough, but um, there's so many that know what you're going through and are there for you. And in terms of, you know, not just mental health or excuse me, not just like the female side of things, but in terms of mental health, I have friends um, for other teams who are just outspoken about that kind of thing. Um, one of my best friends uh, from a different team, Hunter Hornstein, he does a fantastic job with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Um, he does their social media and a lot of their community stuff. And he's just also outwardly outspoken about. Um, mental health and, you know, kind of handling that and having, you know, those people to lean on and talk to is something that's really important. Don't be afraid to reach out to them because that's what they want. And I'm one of those people, like if it's, you know, today sucked someone cat called me six times on the concourse, like, yeah, it sucks. Like, let's talk about it. And, you know, if we live close enough, let's get a beer later or, you know, something, anything, but it's, you reach out to people because they're willing to help, especially in the sports industry. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing that. Cause I, I do think we're, I mean, we're on a small platform. We, we know that, I mean, we're just starting out here. We're just having fun getting to know people. And again, appreciate you coming on, but you never know there, there may be somebody out there right now that you could have uh, inspired. And, and that's kind of the origins of our podcast. So we appreciate you going there. Uh, Cole, why don't you go ahead and, and keep the ball moving, moving here. I know we got a couple other real fun things to talk about. Without a doubt. And to, to echo basically everything that everybody has said, said especially Kaylee you know I I've gotten an, I've worked four months in, in minor league baseball and I got to know a ton of people thanks to Kaylee that work in the industry and and even I mean to, to give myself a little credit on my own you know when I went down to San Diego I got to know a ton of especially I mean I got to know a, a lot of great guys don't get me wrong but I also got to know a, an amazing amount of really baseball savvy and just crazy intelligent women that work in the industry and I got to hear them speak and you know some of them are are still like really good friends friends of mine today I know a girl who wants to be one of the first female managers in baseball and this girl knows baseball better than I do and I'm not kidding and you know for like I would even challenge people to go back and look the river river bandits like twitter page or even Kaylee's twitter page this girl knows baseball and she knows business and like, go look because it, you would be surprised at like the, the cool things that they do and they put out on social media and the passion for what she does is very, very evident. And that's ultimately why I wanted to get in. And I think that's why, you know, I think Kaylee would echo this. That's why you would want, that's why you should get into baseball or the sports industry as a whole is because you love it. It's not going to make you rich. But it, it, it's, it has to be a passion and it has to be something that's ingrained in you and you want to be a part of your life well after your playing days are done. Um, yeah. 
and Cole, you know, doesn't, he doesn't give himself enough credit when he came to San Diego, when he asked me if I thought that was a good idea, you know, I said, I told him, I said, you know, if you're looking for a job in sports, you go to winter meetings. And, you know, we thought about it and he ended up deciding to do it. And, um, you know, he doesn't give himself enough credit. He was up before I was every single day. He was out the door before I even, <laughs> before I had even, you know, brushed my teeth and he was, you know, wheeling and dealing and talking to people. And, you know, he worked his butt off to get this job that he has. And, um, he doesn't give himself enough credit for that. I can only help so much, but he did that extra step to get him to where he is. And, you know, it's something that I'm honored to have had a small part of, but he's done so much work himself to do, get to this point and it's, um, it's admirable. So don't let him downplay what he did to, to get to where he is. He well, does that. Well, thank you. And it, it, it truly goes back to something Kaylee that you said when I gave you that very first call is working in baseball is like a family. And once you know one person, you know, just about everybody. And that's so, so true. And um, that has stuck with me. And that's something, you know, we talk about advice and, and we talk about just lessons that we've learned. And that's something that, that I learned is get into a profession where it does feel like a family, because that is where the, the passion grows. It's not just like it is a passion, it grows and it makes it so much stronger and so much better to show up to work every single day. So for all those ladies that are out there just kicking today's freaking workout in the ass, keep it up. We got a good 20 to 30 minutes left, but we're going to keep after it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, moving right along. So Kaylee, you get this full-time job offer from Chesser and Romy, and we don't want to leave out Romy because he's important to this whole story. Um, buddy. <laughs> he's a good buddy. Um, and you get on full-time. Talk about a little bit just like what that was like first couple days, just like first impressions of working in minor league baseball. You touched on a little bit already, but maybe touch on like some of the fun things, some of the really exciting things, and maybe share like one or two of your favorite memories. Yeah. So, um, when I got hired on, I was the first person to have the position solely dedicated to social media. Um, prior to that, our GM had been doing it. So basically I built this social media from, you know, nothing to, I think something. (laughs) Um, but you know, it was a really, really cool. And, you know, I was honored to have that challenge to do that. Um, And it was scary because it was like, you know, I'm just kind of going with, you know, my gut instinct on a lot of stuff and then looking to other teams, um, seeing what they're doing and then, you know, building my skills and depending on, you know, the people around me to help me out as well. Our production manager, Evan Wiseman, he killed it with graphics the whole time I was with him um, and, you know, taught me a lot about it. And it was depending on each other and working together a lot that made a huge difference. Um, But it was also, you know, I was one of the youngest, you know, community relations, if not the youngest directors in minor league baseball. Um, so it was scary because, you know, I was 22 and I was, you know, in this position that I was blessed to be put in, but also terrified because, you know, I was coming in a quarter of the way into the season and kind of had to pick up and run with everything. And it was a challenge in that aspect. And, I learned a lot from that. And then when I thought that I couldn't learn any more by being baptized by fire, um, the greatest flood in Quad Cities history happened. <laughs> um, so uh, in 2019, leading into our season, uh, come March, the Mississippi River, which is right, runs right along where the ballpark is, ballpark right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Um, beautiful, beautiful ballpark, um, beautiful view 
and the river started rising and eventually, you know, cut off access to the ballpark. Thankfully, we have flood walls that protect the inside of the ballpark aside from the batting cages, unfortunately. Um, but it was the flood walls had never been up for that long. They were up for 107 days in total. The water got up to 22.7 feet. Um, we were wading through flood water. Um, we bought waders and we were waiting through flood water to get into the ballpark because they told us, you know, you have 45 minutes to get anything you might need for the next month out. So, you know, those of us that felt comfortable doing it, put on some, you know, duck hunting waders and we got into the ballpark and, you know, took everything off the ground, put it on our desks in case, God forbid, those flood walls broke. Um, you know, I, my favorite thing was I just have a very clear memory of coming out of the ballpark with our mascot, like in a bag on my shoulder, like just <laughs> trying to get through the flood water. And it was, you know, we were living out of our cars. We were living, I mean, work living out of our cars and, um, working in this hot, small, thank you YMCA, but small conference room in the upstairs of the local YMCA and, coffee shops that had free wi-fi and just every day was a question mark we didn't know whether we we're gonna be able to access the ballpark if it was dry access and you know all those games were moved on the road so i mean props to our players and our coaching staff they you know took that with stride and they did a great job because it was it was a hell of a challenge and i you know i'm so glad that they stuck it out because it was wild and you know eventually it got to the point where we had a levee break um in downtown davenport and ended up flooding all the way up to second street um in downtown and it just caused mass devastation i mean we lost a lot of businesses thankfully um no lives lost in that levee break but you know people's cars destroyed businesses destroyed so we went and volunteered our time and you know i have videos up on social media of us in a boat riding down second street um, cleaning up flood water in businesses in the area. And it was um, definitely one of those times where you have to band together to make it through something. And we were so grateful that our facility was safe, all things considered. Obviously, it was a lot of revenue lost for us, um, but we had to do what we could for the community. And we, you know, raised $100,000 for the Quad Cities um, in conjunction with a local hospital and our owner. Um, for flood relief. So it was an awesome experience in a bittersweet way, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that was a challenge that I think kind of built me into a different kind of person. It's, you know, thinking on your toe, like being on your toes all the time um, and just kind of rolling with the punches because some of the most popular content we've ever had on our social media channel, uh, channels was the content from that flood. Um, and it was, you know, me going up onto the Centennial Bridge that overlooks the ballpark and free because I hate heights, but taking a picture of the ballpark surrounded by water and it getting, you know, 700 likes on Instagram and, you know, all that stuff. But the whole thing is, you know, I enjoyed every second of it. And obviously I want to get back into the industry and um, the social social media side of things was especially hard because we were a, we are an Astros affiliate. So obviously we, <laughs> obviously we know what, what happened there. Um, but yeah. I can promise you there is, there was no trash can banging going on in our dugouts. Um, I was normally in them. So 
nothing going on there, but, um, it was, it was hard in the fact that, you know, we had just come off of the season where we had gone through this horrible flood and lost all this revenue. And that was challenging enough as a social media manager. And then coming into this, you know, they were in the world series. So we stayed on top of that. And then going into this all being revealed and it was like, people were obviously angry and, you know, they were coming at us from every different direction. And it was, you know, on our social media channels, coming at us, blaming us. And it was a lot of, you know, I learned a lot of crisis management, um, to say the least. So, um, it was a challenge, but I still every day loved what I did. And that's what matters. Like Cole and I talked about, I loved what I did. There was days where, you know, I kind of take a second and we joke about it. We joked about it at the ballpark. I had a closet that I would cry in and then I'd pull myself together and then I'd just go back out in the concourse and I'd be fine. Like, it's just, sometimes I needed those moments, but you know, people are a different kind of person when they're behind a screen and the things that they say, they don't realize that there's someone on the other side of that screen, me and other social media managers for brands of any kind. And when you say that there's a real human that's going to read that. And, you know, a lot of times you might be coming at something that they worked really hard for, or their team worked really hard for, and it, it affects them. And you kind of have to think about that. Every brand has a human behind it. It's not just a faceless entity on the internet. And that's something I learned very quickly. And a lot of people don't know that. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's been a challenge, but I, I loved every second of it. And obviously it's something I'm, I'm looking to get back into. So it's, those are some of my favorite moments. And it's funny that my favorite moments are all moments of complete chaos, but they're the <laughs> moments, they're the moments that I learned the most from at the end of the day. And that's one of the most valuable things I think you can take away is, you know, and, and even circling it back to, to mental strength, like it takes a certain level of mental strength to get through. I mean, the major leagues is 162 games. It takes a, a mental, a certain level of mental strength to get through that and grind through the hot days, the monotonous days, the days where it is oh, chaotic. Yeah. And when you do have to like take a second to to cry, or maybe you just need to take a <laughs> take a step outside the ballpark and get away from the the the, the craziness, the noise, like all the fans, and just like collect yourself. Um, and that's yeah, I think I think that's super valuable that the most chaotic moments were also your favorite because those you'll look back on the most favorably, I think Mm -hmm. um, is a, an appropriate way to put it. But um, so we, we are getting towards the end of this and it's been a really, really great interview. So obviously again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I want to talk like where you're at now. Obviously you've talked about it a little bit, just uh, you know, some people may know, hopefully a lot of people that listen to this know, baseball is not p- being played right now. That's why Kaylee yeah. and I are not at work, not working baseball games. That's why Jeremy's not working on baseball stats right now. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about where you're at, kind of the things you're doing right now, especially that baseball is not being played just to, to better yourself, make you more prepared, make you more valuable. And then I got four questions for you to end this out like we do with every guest. And we will get you out of here and end this thing. Is that cool? Yeah, sounds good to me. Um, So basically right now, um, about a month ago, not even, I was laid off from my position with the River Bandits, unfortunately. Um, It was obviously a a tough time for everyone because we were coming off of, it's a tough time for everyone, but it was more so a tough time for us because we were coming off a year with a significant revenue loss because of the flooding. 
Um, so it was a challenging, you know, season to start with. It was all about kind of trying to make up for that. And then COVID came and obviously there were wrench in the whole world's plans, but, um, right. And so, I got a question for you really quick. Yeah. So just tell her, you and I have talked about this, but just tell everybody listening, how many years has it been since you have had a regular, like actual opening day? Uh, my intern year in 2017. Jeez. So three years ago. Yeah. So 2018, I missed the opening day because I wasn't hired yet. 2019, we didn't have one because of flooding. And then this year, there's not been a season. So um, I have not had that feeling, unfortunately, <laughs> for a few years. But um, it it sucks to be laid off. Um, it's been a really hard road for me. Um, it was challenging in that, you know, this isn't how I wanted my time with the team to end. and um, I didn't want to leave and it was hard because like I said, we talked about this, you know, you build a family at that ballpark and leaving that family is something that, um, is really hard. And it's people that I've known for three or four years now. Um, but it's, it's challenging to leave and it's also kind of exciting in a way because it's a chance to kind of extend my knowledge and learn some new things. but. Um, I've been kind of dabbling some more in, uh, graphic design stuff. I've learned a lot of procreate. I do a lot of procreate art, um, drawing graphic design on my iPad, um, learning that kind of stuff. And then also just kind of taking a breath because I haven't had a chance. I mean, I started working in baseball the day after I graduated, I, there was a game. Um, so I started right then working 14 hour days all the time. Social media never has off hours. So, you know, I always had to be tuned in and it's one of those times where, yeah, it sucks. I hate being unemployed and I hate leaving a job I love, but it's also one of those things where it's like, <sighs> like I can breathe for like just a hot second. Like, um, I love what I do and I've learned that this is kind of what I meant to do, but it's right now it's just a bad industry to be in and there's so many people who are in my shoes so many great people that I know around minor league baseball who are in similar positions as me um without a job right now and I think it's discouraging right now and it's scary all things considered um especially with contraction talks and all of that stuff but um it's going to be really exciting to see where everyone lands and how everyone kind of overcomes this. Cause I know there's so many people who are great, you know, at what they do and don't have a job right now, but are going to land somewhere that is, you know, the next step up in their career. And it's really exciting. And I hope that I can be one of those people too, but obviously it's, you know, whatever's dealt to me, I'll figure it out. And, you know, I, I, I've said this over and over, and I want to thank you for this because it's very evident that, that you are this way. You are, are someone who wants to be, you know, what, when, when baseball does come back eventually and we come out of this and, and get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, you are definitely someone who you want to help be the solution and not the problem. You know, it's going to be very easy for a lot of people to say, to heck with baseball or screw baseball. I'm never going back. I'm never watching. I, you know, this, it's been handled terribly and you've lost another fan. Um, but you are definitely someone who is going to help revolutionize the game of baseball in some form or facet, and you will be part of the solution, not the problem. 
And I think that's, you know, something I aspire to be. And I think that's something a lot of people in the sports world aspire to be and, and aspire to do. That's why they're there. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that's super, super cool. And, and obviously it, it, it does suck in the present moment, but there is, there's something bigger happening and, and mm -hmm. you obviously, you very clearly see that. And, um, so I, I commend you for that. I really, really do go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, so I got, I got furloughed before Cole did and we had talked a little bit and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that did get furloughed. Um, it's important to know that we, when you're in the moment, like it's not just you. I think sometimes when it like just first happened, you're like, what the heck? Like, why is it me? You know, what did I do wrong? And, and to know that it isn't, it's more or less industry and, you know, sports especially is going to hopefully learn a lot from this. I don't, I don't know if they will. I hope they do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just having that reassurance to know that, and I, I appreciate your optimism as well towards, you know, whether you do get back or not just to be able to use this time for yourself to reflect. And I know Cole's been doing a little bit of that in JR2, just reflecting on where we are, uh, you know, picking up some new skills too. So that that's always cool uh, that you're that you're looking at different venues there. But I just wanted to throw that out there for anyone that is still furloughed. Like it's not you. It's definitely like the industry and or the the COVID-19. So Cole, why don't you go ahead and, and kick off these questions? Uh, and then uh, and then yeah. Alrighty. So Kaylee to maybe just to end this on a little lighter note, um, being from the state of Illinois, you really have two choices. You can be a Chicago Cubs fan or you can be a Chicago White Sox fan. You <laughs> are an avid Chicago Cubs fan. Yes, sir. Which is one of the, the sad things about you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, you, you always see the, the Rizzo Bryant for president shirts. Rizzo. That was like a thing a few years ago. If you had to pick one of them, Rizzo or Bryant for president, who would it be? Okay, well, I don't want to like air any dirty laundry, but I have a someone who worked in the Cubs clubhouse who came to the Quad Cities um, to work with us for a while, and he said that Anthony Rizzo isn't very nice. Okay, which shatters me, shatters my heart because I love him, and I would I I'd have to go Chris Bryant. I love Rizzo, but. Ever since he said that, it's stuck in my mind, and maybe it's a bad day and whatever. But he was like their clubhouse manager, so he was with them all the time. Um, Rizzo but, can be VP. Yeah, he can be VP, and I'm fine with that. But um, I would have to go Brian. But at the end of the day, we all know Kyle Hendricks would be a better president. That guy's hey. smart. <laughs> oh, the professor. Oh my God, he's so smart. Uh, so we talked about it a little bit. You haven't had a regular opening day for like three years. What is Kaylee like? You you can you can look at it as a fan. You can look at it as someone who works in sports. Uh, you can look at it however you want. But what is your favorite day of the baseball season? Um, I actually think my favorite day is it's pretty close between opening day and July fourth. There's always something like super obviously opening day is great because you get that you know first day baseball those jitters get worked out but there's always bumps in the road and stuff on that first day but by july 4th it's a well-oiled machine everything's going smoothly and it's just there's something so american about you know being <laughs> at a baseball game um you know there's nothing more fourth of july it feels like sometimes than being at that baseball game and you know 
playing a part in someone's 4th of July tradition. And, you know, we always usually wore 4th of July jerseys and had some fun, like, pregame things to honor people in the military and stuff like that. Um, we have a large military um, presence here in the Quad Cities, so we would do something with that. Uh, but it's it's pretty close between them. And, I mean, as a fan, honestly, it, it can go any way. But it's, there's something special about baseball in the 4th and obviously opening day. Yeah, there's nothing really more American than like baseball, fireworks, hot dog, and a beer. That's <laughs> yeah. Y- you That's really can't sure. beat that. Um, so you know, I I've mentioned a a number of times now how influential you were into me getting to baseball. Obviously, you know, I would see the the stuff you put on like Instagram and social media and pictures, and it was like I said, so evident that you loved what you were doing, and I craved that so so badly. And that's why I reached out to you and a a number of other people, frankly, because I wanted to learn more and and hear people's story and learn what working in sports would be like before I got into it. Uh, So for so obviously, you know, you're you're still on your journey of what's what's life going to look like for the rest of the life, the rest of your life. You know, what's what's the rest of Kaylee's professional career going to look like? But if you had to give someone advice that is maybe looking to go to college, having to make that tough decision or coming out of college. And because that's something we talk a lot about is those like awkward six months from graduation until whatever they end up really, really getting themselves into as far as a a job. Uh, Advice for people if they're going to go into sports, maybe if they're not going to go into sports, what is one or two little pieces of advice you could give to someone maybe still on that journey or confused about where they are on their journey? Yeah. And so I know, I think I said these things to you when you gave me that call, you know, I think that was last year. About. Seems like, seems like years ago, but it was, I think like October um, of 2019. And basically I just say, you know, it's not going to be financially fruitful completely. Like you, that's why you got to love what you do. And also like, I can't stress enough an internship is the most important thing you can do to work in sports. You do that internship. If it's unpaid or not, I know that that's a luxury that many people can't afford. But if it's something that you want to do, then, I mean, most places don't allow an unpaid internship anymore. So you're usually getting something. But you got to do that internship. It gives you, I call it a test drive when I talk to college kids. I say you test drive that career through an internship. And it's like a car. If you want to buy the car, then go ahead and drive it down the road. And if not, you bring it back and you try a new one. And that's what an internship is to me. It's a test drive of that industry. And there's nothing more important than that in the sports industry because it is such a huge sacrifice of time and energy and, you know, just your life in some ways. So that's my biggest thing. And also just to reach out to people in the industry. If you have any sort of connection, reach out and talk to them because I know every person I've talked to has been hundred percent honest and frank with me about what it was like. Um, and you know that anyone who stays in the industry for longer than a year is usually someone who's, you know, passionate about it and loves what they do. So talk to those people and see how you can connect to other people. Cause those connections are what get you to where, you know, you might want to be. And like, and like we said, you know, once you know one person, you know, everybody, it seems like at least, you know, one person, you, you talk to that one person, you know, and they give you six different phone numbers to call. And by then it's like, you know, everybody and, and, you know, you get six numbers from those six people and just trickles down. And by then, you know, it, it, it is literally like a family. Mm -hmm. Um, so on here on this podcast, you know, we talk about all the, a lot of books we read, 
a lot of videos that we've watched before, things we listen to, other podcasts even, you know, because um, we're not trying to compete. We're going to use all the, the resources we have at our disposal. So what is what are some things maybe like you're reading right now or some things that you've seen that you think would be just useful if people found them that or, or maybe something you want to even plug? Um. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many fantastic sports creatives and sports professionals on Twitter. Um, tons of people that I've just met on the internet in that aspect. Never really met them in person, you know, maybe in passing at baseball things that I've gone to. Um, why can't I think of the word for... <laughs> uh, Networking? Conferences. Conferences. Um, <laughs> And um, gone to baseball conferences and met those people there. And, you know, it's just wild, the people that you come across online. And there's a few people that, you know, I've come to follow. I think one's name on Twitter is Matt Kobach or something along those lines. Um, He tweets all kinds of great things that I, you know, can relate with as a creative in sports. And then Basically, if you just put in hashtag SM sports on Twitter, you will find all kinds of creative people who work in the social media side and the creative side of of sports. And obviously, I have more knowledge in that than I do, you know, the analytics side or the other side of things. But um, just get on Twitter. It's it's crazy how it's turned into a networking place in some ways. And I mean, people have been messaging me on Twitter you know, offering to help me in my job search and, you know, just asking for tips on things. And it's, it's wild. Get on, just get on Twitter and connect with who you want to connect with. And it's, everyone's so friendly in the sports industry. I can't stress that enough. Well, um, I want you to go ahead and plug your social media and then I'm going to let, you know, Nick and Jeremy say their last word. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, I'm just going to say my last little piece and uh, we are going to conclude this thing. Um, I hope, you know, you've enjoyed it, but go ahead um, really quick for, well, I'll do that at the end. So go ahead and plug your social media. So if anyone hears this, they're inspired, they want to hear more about you. They want to hear more about working in sports, social media, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter um, at K golden underscore zero seven um, is my Twitter handle. And I'm on Instagram, um, kgold underscore seven, I think. Um, just anywhere. I mean, LinkedIn too. Just look me up, Kaylee Golden. Um, but I'm always willing to help and bounce ideas off or vent or anything that people want to talk about. I mean, right now, I unfortunately have nothing but time. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I want to make connections and meet people and learn new things. So, you know, talk to me. Let's, let's figure out what we can do and, you know make something cool and take some steps in our career if we can. Good deal. Well, Nick, Jeremy, you guys can go ahead. Um, Nick, we can start with you and then, and Jeremy, and I'll finish her up. With plugging my social media. Do whatever you want, Nick. Yeah. (laughs) Plug the social media and any last words you have for our our awesome guest here. For sure. Well, actually, just because I have such a unique situation with my social media, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and and share yours and then I, I, I will wrap up with, uh, with everything. So, so I'll give the regular, regular spiel for our social media. If you would like to follow any of us on social media, you can go ahead and find our main page for State Street. 
On Twitter, it is at State Street Pod. On Instagram, it is State Street Pod. And on Facebook, it is State Street Podcast. And then on that point, um, I'm also going to plug my my social media because it's also baseball related. And that would be J-M-A-S-C-H-I-N-O underscore 56. And I want to say baseball Twitter is a real thing. And if you ever get time, definitely check it out because there's some there's some awesome stuff. And even if like you don't know analytics, you know, anything like that, you, you can hop down a rabbit hole and you'll learn something. Good deal. Well, Kaylee, I just want to, before Nick wraps us up and, and gets us off the air here, I want to, I want to say thank you so much again. You were someone I was super excited to get on. These two guys, once I told them a little bit about you, they were super excited to get you on. Um, thank you for being our first female guest. Thank you for all the wisdom that you've talked about. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Um, and it, it, you have been truly life-changing to me, and I know you'll be truly life-changing to others. So thank you so much. But Nick, go ahead and wrap us up. Absolutely, man. Well, in terms of my social media, as you guys know, the really strong anticipation of my Instagram being created in 2021, uh, we're working towards that. I put a lot of work in uh, as far as Twitter and Facebook. Um, you guys, if, if you truly want to do some digging, you can. But uh, ladies, I know you just kicked ass in that workout, and we are so proud to be able to bring you our first guest and our first female. So thank you so much again. And until next time, guys. Thank you.